I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Constellation podcast. How are you doing today, Ted? I'm good. How are you, John? Not bad. And we were just talking off air, doing a little prep for this episode, and we think we've figured out some uh, more aspects of what happens with this second trial, which we were really confused about last episode. So we have a little more grounding now that we want to share with you. Um, so this is, you know, we're basically jumping into the story right after the moment that uh, Tim has passed the first trial. Right, he put out an ad. He found a weird world because of that, and he got the address to that world, and he shared it with Zoya. And of course, in the parallel story that you don't find out till the twist ending, Zoya is taking that uh, information from Tim and passing it off to her handlers uh, so that she can pass the same test that she's also taking. Uh, that sounds confusing when I say it, but uh, hopefully that was clear. Um, so now we need Tim to get a second trial from Zoya, but because like the part of the problem we've been having is that we know that Zoya is not actually a club member yet, right? I mean, the first trial for Tim was just Tim doing Zoya's homework without knowing that he was doing it. So is Zoya going to pull this trick on him again? And we decided, yes, she is actually, um, because the situation is going to be right for it. Um, uh, so we, we decided that we wanted the second task to be essentially a constructed world. Um, we're just going to call it uh, Puzzle World for now. And the assignment for an initiate who wants to join the club is, here's the address of this world. You've got to, you know, find the solution, whatever that is. You've got to get to the center of this puzzle world. You've got to, like, beat a few... Uh, challenges of an increasing difficulty and come back with the passphrase or whatever the solution is and that will mean that you have passed the second trial so presumably off screen and maybe we'll see this later in in flashbacks zoya attempts to just do this the normal way right she goes to try to solve this puzzle world uh but we know that she's going to eventually get stuck and not be able to get further for a few reasons that we're going to get into in a second and so she's going to have to turn again to tim who's still harassing her still blackmailing her still demanding to be led into the club so she's going to turn around to tim and say well uh here's your second trial thinking that if he can get the passphrase that she needs then once again she can just take that pass that on to her club rep and you know not have to do the work herself does that sound like a pretty good summary so far ted right that is and i just want to make clear that um the way this all looks to tim and to the reader is basically just you know tim finishes the first trial hands over the tip zoya disappears he does here's nothing and we can probably come up with a funny scene where like what is he doing to kill time while he's like you know waiting to hear from her again he's in some you know space bar somewhere uh just you know, being a jerk to somebody or something. And anyway, Zoya comes back into his life after some absence and says, okay, you were successful. Now it's time for your second trial. <laughs> right. That's right. It's going to be way less confusing to the reader. So than I just the want way to make I that clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, since we're 
have to write this. We have to know what's happening in both places at once. So I'm sort of describing parallel streams here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, the reader will not know anything about all that other stuff. So from their perspective, Tim passed round one and he's on to round two. Well, and he's gotten a little so, uh, discouraged maybe, or he's gotten a little worried that she didn't, you know, talk to him for a little while. But now he's got trial number two and she's explained to him that it's basically solving this puzzle um, that the puzzle itself is, like you said, an entire world. Uh, and should we talk a little bit about this puzzle world and what we were thinking about it would be? Yeah, and it absolutely. And, you know, this is where we need to still make some decisions. But I think last episode we were alluding to the kinds of things we wanted to do, like maybe some kind of torture or something that would allow us to do, like show to the audience how like the different settings work, like the fact that you can set your pain threshold to different places. Um so we were thinking about some of that, uh, but we were also thinking about, um, you know, more psychological kinds of torture, right? Um, so, like, it's not all just a puzzle necessarily. I mean, some of it I think might be legitimately like a puzzle that you have to solve, like using your brain. But some of it we're thinking is a bit of a sort of endurance and loyalty test, right? Right. Well, it could be the purpose of this thing existing is like a big question, right? And we were sort of discussing the possibilities for this off off air. And, um, you know, whoever built this puzzle world, I mean, we have sort of two pitches right now for who built it, right? It could have been built by the club themselves, or it could have been built by some third party, you know, uh, just to be a, a challenging and interesting puzzle that exists um, out there. Um but either way, whoever built this puzzle world, you know, they had purposes for doing it. And one of the features that we were talking about, like you said, is that as you get deeper and deeper into it, it asks you for uh, more and more invasive permissions. And then, of course, the way the puzzle works should in some way interface with those permissions, I think. So if you have to give up, um, you know, your pain threshold in order to get in somewhere, then you probably have to use pain feedback to figure out, you know, what the answer to the, that part of the puzzle is. Um, somehow. There we go. That's a great example right uh, there, right? Like one of the puzzles could literally be uh, something where like to open some door, you need some code. Uh, but the only way that you can get the code is by, you know, feeling what is like burning hot and what isn't. And the only way you can tell that is if your pain threshold is set, you know? So right, you right. Like it. it's, uh, for some reason, I'm imagining a wall full of doorknobs, right? Like a hundred doorknobs on a wall. And like uh, everyone shocks you, but the only one that will turn and open the door is the one that shocks you the hardest or the one that shocks you the least, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm and thinking like, but something. if your th pain threshold is set to its default location, they all feel like nothing. Exactly. They'd all feel the same. They'd, but right. they'd so be attenuated like door, down yeah. to nothing, but they're actually like, you know, ranging from one volt to uh, a thousand volts <laughs> or something. So the puzzle is like, A, think outside the box and like, but B, also you're, you have to maybe set the pain threshold such a way that you are trusting this world quite a lot because what's around, what's in that door, right? Is like a lion going to maul you and you're going to have to feel it? Right? You don't know. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. And uh, Right. That could just be the door into the next place where you then have to set an even more invasive permission. So I think, you know, one thing we kind of still need to do some brainstorming on, and I don't know if we want to take the time now, is just like, what are all the permissions you can give up uh, and all the different ways that the world could, you know, ask you to trust it and, and then 
consequently, then how would it use them? You know, because we don't want it to always just um, punch you in the face either. <laughs> I think. Uh, no, I think pain is only one of them, uh, and I think we. I or think or embarrassment or earlier. other kind of like negative consequence. Sometimes you should give it some trust and then not be punished for it, right? Because part partly what the world is sort of psychologically trying to do is sort of teach the person going through it to trust it, right? Uh, or to to go with it anyway. They sort of teach them their own powerlessness. Well, again, it depends who made this world. So it I mean, does. it might be. I, I, there's other ideas that I think are cool that we should come back to. I think the simplest explanation to work with for the time being uh-huh. is that this is purpose built to haze people for the club. Right? Okay, so, so this is a, a world the club owns and, and so, gives yeah, it let's just, purpose. I, I want to explore the other option maybe at the end of this, but maybe just for simplicity, go with that for now. Okay. And that just implies that it, it needs to be difficult. Uh, and, you know, the purpose of hazing really is to signal loyalty right uh and like build well i mean often people are hazed as a group which i realize actually we're missing um it's not building camaraderie with your fellow initiates is well it? Uh, yeah but, and that may be partly because of our twist it may be that zoya is being hazed as part of a group but tim is right not. we think she has a class of initiates that she's occasionally um, doing things with uh we've kind of alluded to that that's off screen though so but yeah, but this could so, be more of an initiation ritual than a hazing per se. But I agree. It's like uh, they're trying to get a costly signal that you really value this club. That you really care. Maybe that you're like a certain amount creative and smart enough to like be in the club too, if it, to the extent that it's like challenging skills that you might have mm-hmm. or not have. Um, and then I think the third more sinister thing that we that I'm kind of leaning against right now is like maybe it's actually trying to extract blackmail information out of you of some kind. Um, right, right, right. Which it, you know, it could be that the club has an interest in extracting that kind of information from its initiates. Um, and then something else we talked about is that Zoya definitely has a material interest in extracting that kind of information out of Tim. So if she were to be exposed to something that she knew was an extraction machine, she might be very interested in sort of sending Tim its way in the hopes of gleaning uh, counter blackmail to get her out of his um right but that i think we're not going that counter blackmail route right because even for that to work she would have to the way that we've been talking about this that has not been the the motivation although i'm not totally opposed to it if that if that ends up being something you want to explore but i think i just want to set that whole thing about whether she's trying to get information out of him or whether the club's trying to get information out of all its initiates I want to say that, like, that's a possibly good idea. We know that things like Scientology do that mm-hmm. uh, to, like, you know, enforce the law among their members. But I kind of, again, I kind of want to set that aside for now and just say, like, this is the simpler thing. It's just testing your loyalty, essentially. Um, it's just or, basically or, testing how much you trust them to and Yeah, to put and how much you really care. Uh-huh. Um, and that, I think, is, you know, that fully justifies this idea that it would ask you for permissions that you don't want to give up like uh the ability to feel pain um and that's a good one i think like we've i mean it doesn't have to be exactly doorknobs in a wall but like i think we've just kind of figured out how that one could work and i think right i can see how that gets used in a puzzle where like knowing being able to feel pain is is how you solve the puzzle now two other ones that we were talking about off air or at least they were implied by what we were talking about off air would be giving like we know that sort of simulated drugs exist in the constellation yeah um you know you can have a beer in the constellation and feel it 
right? Um, we want that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you could turn off your alcohol response, right? Presumably that's a permission, right? Um, presumably when you go into a place, you wouldn't want to, like, grant it permission to, like, make you instantaneously, like, vomitously drunk, you know, like, with the room spinning. Like, that's a very unpleasant feeling. People wouldn't want to submit to that. So, like, you know, I think most defaults would, you know, protect your your brain from, like, meddling of that sort of, of that sort. Um, like, Right, because you could very easily it. make, like, the whole atmosphere out of uh, nitrous or something, right? Like, yeah. you could, like, everything's negotiable. So the person who's r- r- ruling the world could really, um, you know, put vodka in the water and and make all the air pot smoke or meth smoke or whatever, you know. Um, so you would, wa- you would want to um, make very conservative choices about uh, what you are going to allow to affect your brain like that um, most of the time. Right. And we're, we're saying this, these have to be essentially synthesized, simulated chemicals interacting with a synthesized, simulated brain. Like there's no hand wavy stuff where they can just like reach into your brain and like, you know, delete a single memory or like, like a make circuit you brand you or anything. Yeah. 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 No, we're make not you automatically fall in love with a specific object that they, you know, like we're not going to have that kind of stuff. That's like super fine grained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't understand that stuff. So I don't think I can write it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it just doesn't, you know, it's just not like true. It makes sense if the brain was a different thing than it is right. Like even a simulated version of the brain, it stores its data in such a way that it's not clear that you could uh, use it like that. And uh, so right. for the simulators, the brain is more just like, you know, and, and we've got to think of some of this like style of thinking from like Robin Hansen's work. Who's he's the guy who's written a ton about emulated brains, mm-hmm. um, like tons of nonfiction work about what emulated brains in the future might actually be like. And mm-hmm. that's one of his predictions, right? Is that they would be essentially, you know, copied brains but they'd be sort of black box right just because you copied what nature was doing doesn't mean that you like can fully manipulate it at a fine grain level right 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 and you could get like speech or um you know uh motor neuron information out of it but you're not going to get like a stream of thoughts like or something like that that's you know it's going to be as inscrutable as a as a meat brain <laughs> um but you know tweaking it with drugs absolutely i mean we can do right. that uh and your now, control of so. like synthesizing chemicals is way greater than the physical world so you can probably invent you know new variations on existing drugs fairly easily in the- yeah absolutely so then there'd be some permission we haven't really talked about this one before mm-hmm. like you said that would probably guard your brain against some kinds of drug effects or at least uh be like an ask first type you know you are drinking a beer do you want to feel this yes or no (laughs) kind of thing or like you know uh or maybe you said it to only things i ingest not you know or something but but yeah you can it definitely seems like there'd be some kind of permission there and you could set that permission such that like you know the the whole world contains acid everything you touch is you know crawling with acid or whatever now, I don't know how you design a puzzle that you can only solve if you're sufficiently high, but... Uh, well, maybe it's not so much that, as we only let you into this portion of the puzzle unless you're sufficiently high, and then this portion of the puzzle is 
designed to be solved high. <laughs> not not so much that you couldn't solve it if you were sober, just that you are still able to solve it when you're high. Or it's, extre- or it's really easy, but it's extremely hard once you're high. Well, That's I think many things are like, you know, like that. Uh, I can recall one time many years ago trying to play Scrabble on mushrooms, and for some reason I could only think of actors' last names, which are not legal Scrabble words. Those are the only words no. I could spell. No, they're not. Under the, under the um, influence of this particular drug this one time for some reason. Like, obviously, and now, uh, from the point of view of sobriety, I can, with certainty, tell you words that are contained within the celebrity last names I can remember spelling. Yeah, I'm just imagining you sitting there on the floor. But I just was unable to come up with any other names. Like, like Balaban? Other words. Balaban? No, that's Sinise not. was one of them. I remember <laughs> distinctly that I can remember Gary Sinise's last name. And like that word definitely Sinise. has other words in it. I challenge, Ted. Um, I challenge. No, I and I knew I wasn't putting it down on the board because I was still <laughs> together enough to know these are not legal Scrabble words. <laughs> but I couldn't stop. Like it was like my brain had decided that it would only surface the last names of actors and not, um, not any real words. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to play Scrabble. And that's just one example of, well, of accidentally. Well, yeah, I don't it know. Doesn't seem, that seems like a bad pairing of why I of did activity that. and drug. <laughs> right? I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't explain why it's a poor that was pairing. What yeah, happened. Um, but I, th- I, what I want to say is that when I started playing Scrabble, I was not tripping. <laughs> right. And then at some point during the game, I was. Um, so I don't know. I think yeah that. Uh, so that, yeah, at that, that point, it, it might even only be the pain one that's like artfully woven into a puzzle, although it would be cool if we could do that with all of them. But yeah, you're right. It might just be like, it might be pretty upfront about saying like, uh, grant us this permission to get through to the next chamber. And then in the next chamber, you're like blasted out of your mind on like this weird synthesized psychedelic that's yeah. like doesn't even have an analog in the non-constellation world because it's like you know exploiting better biology than we have now right and like then it like gives you what like to an outside observer would be like a really basic block stacking puzzle or something but it's just like nearly impossible to do when you're like right right messed up. yeah it gives you some yeah some kind of puzzle that would be i should look this up and find out what would be like particularly hard when you're on like really strong psychedelics or something and maybe like the world itself is designed in such a way that it's very distracting or it's like you know it it makes it even harder um but somehow uh obviously when we're watched with tim he would obviously manage to get through it um, well, we know one thing we know is that he's uh, he's got perseverance, right? <laughs> he's been showing right. that consistently in the story. So, well, and like this- doing a puzzle world should be something that's fairly familiar to him, too. He's a world connoisseur. Puzzle worlds are probably a fairly common design of worlds, okay, th- right? This is a good point place, maybe, for me to insert my other thought about uh, the maker of the world, right? Okay. If we think that this is not purpose built by the club, for um 
this purpose of hazing, right? right? Like maybe maybe this is a designer world by a famous designer, yeah, who makes these kinds of puzzle worlds. That's cool. Um, I like that idea. Maybe they have maybe they have ratings, right? This is like a black diamond <laughs> puzzle. World. Right, right, right. Yeah, this is like a really challenging one. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, this is one that nobody knows about because. Well, the club knows about all the like best. Right, worlds, right. right. It's That's a really exclusive one or whatever. Yeah. So like they mm-hmm. know about it. Maybe they even commissioned its sure. making. Sure. Right. Um, or they have or exclusive the, access or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe how it's presented uh, to Tim and off screen to Zoya as like, you know, we have access to an original like right, new right. Uh, world by, you know, whatever this person's name is um, like this, like elusive, like famous, like world designer um and and but you know it's going to be difficult right um or it's going to be like challenging like and maybe maybe they're not all challenging in the same way right maybe this is like the idea of like giving up ever increasing permissions is like kind of novel even to this artist perhaps like right you know they're um so i think that might be a that might be a cool way uh, way to explain it too. Yeah, I like that. It's a little bit like uh, that artist James Terrell who makes those colored light rooms. They're like they they there was one at uh, Lakma for a while. I've seen man, it's funny. I don't know if I've just seen really good photography of those or if I went and saw them. In Did person, you go see the one that was at, at at Lakma when it was there? Um, I think so. I, think I did I'd see that one and. I actually got to remember when I shot that movie. Do you want to describe what those are somewhat? To yeah, the, so they're, they're hard to explain. They're entirely white rooms. They've been painted entirely white, and then they have some clever um, uh, uh, sort of stagecraft, basically, where there's like a lip on the room, and there's hidden lights, uh, LED lights, um, like inside the lip where you can't see them. And the result of them is that the entire room glows a different color and the color shifts slowly over time. So the one that they had at LACMA was colored to be like a sunrise. So it would like um, be the colors of dawn basically in the entire room. You, you put on booties and you walk in there and you feel like you're in a Kubrick movie. <laughs> you're in this like white clean room and then the entire room sort of like slowly changes color all around you and it's, it's very affecting. Um, and he's built these rooms all around the world. There's a bunch of them. When uh, when I uh, when I did that movie Eddie's movie uh, that was shot in the in the Hollywood Hills that house had a Terrell room in it that they had like you know the rich guy who owned that at that place had had built and so they had like a they had so like just to a, clarify when you were on a movie set for yeah a, uh, I was a on movie a movie that, set you, that sev- you wrote several years right? ago. This movie that I did write, um, that uh, this guy Eddie Alcazar directed, um, and they shot it. Uh, they shot it in a house which you've seen on film before. It's a famous uh, Hollywood Hills house um, d- designed by a guy named John Lautner. Um, if you ever saw The Big Lebowski, it's Jackie Treehorn's house. That's the most famous thing I think it's been in before. Oh yeah, and um, it sort of looks like a concrete spaceship. <laughs> is how I describe it. Um, and uh, it's built on the side of a hill and down the hill at the sort of bottom of the property, there's a room that looks like it's a, uh, a vault. It looks like Scrooge McDuck's money vault in, you know, in DuckTales. <laughs> you know, it's just like a big concrete bunker. And when you go in there, um, 
it's a Terrell room. It's a white room. It's got that same lip and it's got these amazing uh, lights. And it actually has a, a hole in the ceiling that if you if it's nighttime, you can open it up and the, you can see the stars. Um, and the effect of that one is really wild because uh, with, the, with the colors changing at your periphery while you stare at the white stars, um, a weird trick of your perception happens and the stars themselves appear to change color. Super weird. So uh, that's a weird rich person thing I never thought of having your own Terrell room. Yeah, but and I guess there's like I found out when I was there that there's like a bunch of them around the world in different like museums and rich people's houses. That's sort of where they exist. And there's like a sort of brotherhood of them where like uh if you've been to a few and you show up at one and you can like show them a picture of you somewhere else, they'll usually let you in cuz people try to like, you know, collect all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. Okay. So that's weird. But that's then weird wha- wait, what made you think of, uh, okay, so this is an artist that creates spaces. Is that why you thought of it at, in like reference to the world designer? Of yeah. Puzzle I was thinking world? he, James Terrell is sort of a famous um, experienced designer in our world with our limitations. I mean, he makes r- white rooms with lights in them. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're cool, right. but <laughs> I think they're cool, but they're, you know, uh, they're not, they, they don't compare to a, 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 an entire world that you design inside a simulation. Um, but I was just thinking like, uh, yeah, his, his work, one of the, you know, obviously he doesn't make paintings or, you know, um, uh, uh more traditional artwork. He, he makes these rooms, um, but the reason that you can like kind of easily call what he does art and, you know, you know, uh, is that it's all, um, or one reason anyway, is that it's all, um, of a piece. They all kind of do s- variations on the same thing in a way that, um, makes it feel like, you know, being in a Terrell room is like a thing. It's like, do- it's doing a thing. Like looking at a painting is a thing or like, um, watching a play is a thing. Right. So uh, it's debatable how much in our story we would want this to have like a distinct signature. Uh, well, it can have a distinct signature, but the parts that we were just talking about where like, it makes you give up increasingly like odorous, uh, well, that odor. aspect shouldn't be in the signature, but I think if the, if the puzzle design, or if the aesthetics of it um, are somehow signature of this very famous world designer that is very well known to Tim, you know, that's interesting to me because then he's doing this thing. He's in the middle of this quest and he dawns on him like, oh, I know what this is. This is this is one of these. Or maybe he's already been told it. He knows going in and he has some insight into, you know, what it's trying to do or how it's going to work or how he should approach it. That comes I think it'd from, be more of the second thing. And that I comes like, from him knowing, you know, what that guy's work is like. Well, and I like something, I like the idea of him knowing what it is, maybe even having a low opinion of this artist because mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe maybe everybody likes the stars. So maybe he's like a hipster about it, you know. Whatever it is, so like he's got maybe like a little bit of like a low opinion, and then maybe maybe it surprises him, right? And it's like mm-hmm. it's more interesting than he thought it would be. Sure. Um, and then of course it's also putting him through like a kind of hell in a way. So then he has those 
all these three complicated feelings i imagine of being like jaded by it and like dismissive and then impressed by it and then sort of like terrorized like overwhelmed it. and like defeated yeah. or something yeah but he does he does succeed right so right. now uh other than pain and um like like mental brain drug manipulation we also talked about right like, which and that could be used to cause you to hallucinate or it could be used just to like confuse you or you know make you right. paranoid there's different things you could use drugs for but yeah right. mm-hmm, but uh, but other than those two yeah we had talked about what you could do with um you know showing using elements from someone's past maybe i mean there's we have some limits on this obviously right like there's Right, right. So we can't just dive into your psyche and pick like your most strong memories or anything like that. We haven't given ourselves those kinds of powers. But there are interesting things we can know about you, right? So if we wanted to use your past, we have whatever information we have about you at the moment of scan, which could potentially be The whole world, just to say this again, like the whole uh, world was scanned like for one like 24-hour period like leading up to like the start of the constellation and so like all of that data all of the trees and squirrels and people and frying pans and whatever that was around at that moment got scanned and is like the fodder uh, in the library for building stuff later um it doesn't go back forever but like if you were in your kitchen when you got scanned um you could recall that kitchen and conjure it up in the constellation because that's all a publicly accessible database right all the way down to like what was playing on the radio at that moment like really sort of you know a lot of stuff could be recreated but you know the the people obviously would have to be impersonated and um it's not like it would magically know the context um so it would still have to you'd have to have some human research somehow uh, to know enough context to really like, for example, fool somebody into like, um, you know, a completely believable reality, uh, that, that, that was like pretending to be, um, the world, uh, uh, right after the scan occurred, you know? Well, well, let's say I wanted to haze you, Ted, with this information. So I know that you, are a zero generation person. Let's assume I know that much. Sure. Um, and so I know, because obviously for a sec- first generation or second generation person, like they wouldn't even have this pre-scan data. They wouldn't be in the scan. So you would have to collect information about them a completely different way. Yeah. Right. But let's say I've, I've, and actually that means that this stuff would only work on a zero gen, which is interesting. So let's say uh, I know that you're zero gen that's right, which means well, it wouldn't may- work on Zoya, or at least not in the same way. Yeah, so that's well, that's problematic. We'll have to come back, but I want to finish this thought experiment here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say, like, I know you're zero gen. I think, um, I don't necessarily know that you're, you know, Ted Cupper and that you, like, lived in a house in Los Angeles when you were scanned, right? Like, that's not, if, if I just met you, that might not be information I know, and you may be in an avatar... Right, I may not have shared that. Right, right, yeah. That's, like, totally different. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I was, like, okay, if you want to proceed in this puzzle, you need to tell me, like, what your original name was and, like, location approximately at time of scan and some basic, what you look like, maybe. Sure. Once I have that information, I can query the database and say, like, okay, 
um, show me the house that Ted was in. Sure. Okay, like, recreate a scale model of it. Oh, like, also in the house was this other person. Um, like, we scanned their vocal cords and everything, so, like, we could probably animate them and make them talk in their original voice even, but, like, I would sure. have to write dialogue for them. I wouldn't know, like, how to make that person talk in their You might even be able to figure out that person's name and then try to look up the real person in the constellation, but, if you, but without talking to that real person, you probably wouldn't be able to, like convincingly imitate them to like fool right so but let's say my goal here is not to um not to fool me just to like not to make you think that like you know the constellation was all a dream and you just woke up right uh which uh not to not to philip k dick you uh but to like just you know create a potentially distressing or like nostalgic or sort of like familiar setting that i then can twist in some way Right, um, right. I mean, especially if you. you're combining with drugs to sort of create a, you know, a dream state, right? Like a sort of, you know, paranoid or embarrassed or anxious dream state or something like that, right? Yeah, so maybe this is um this is best combined with the drug trip. Um like after, you know, you solve the simple puzzle that's would be easy if you weren't high. Mm-hmm. Um it like opens onto like, you know, a familiar room and like a familiar place. And it's like designed to evoke a really intense psychological response. And maybe the drug cocktail shifts at that point too, um, to something that's going to like interact with memory very strongly. Um, and so, yeah, I think the combination of those things could be like really emotionally potent and then also give us a chance to reveal some things about Tim. Right. To take him through an emotionally harrowing sort of, journey uh that lets us know hopefully a little bit about um where he comes from and what he's done in the 75 or so years that he's been simulated but that is another thing he'd have to agree to right is like confirming his his original identity and location uh sure yeah i mean that's stuff that uh, it's not so much a permission in the sense of like granting but he'd have to tell them it's information that he'd have to tell them the problem is that that's not as big an ask, right? I mean, compared to the other two, really. No, it I definitely mean, seems like you give your name before you, you know, give up the reins to, uh, you know, your brain and allow them to inject the uh, experimental LSD in or whatever. Yeah, so maybe this is just an element. But it, but you now I have to come to the thing we just discovered, which is that this none of this, this kind of world that, like, uses your pre-scanned data would just full stop not work on anybody who wasn't zero gen so there'd be like a whole genre of right so for first gen people it would either work differently or or it would fail and that it's interesting if that's the reason why it's failed um for her i guess uh that would it that would imply that the club has no um first gen members though I mean, that would be very strange, like, unless they were trying to filter it. seems like it would out. just work a different way. Like, maybe there would yeah. be, you know, maybe there's some other way. I mean, we've talked, we've, we've, we've sort of, we haven't figured out a solution of having access to something like a memory log without that sort of opening up a sort of interworld communication wormhole that we don't want to open. So, uh,. Well, so let's, I mean, yes, let's just assume that for now, like if it's, if it's just woven as part of the drug trip step, because again, I don't think the permissions ask is big enough. 
then you just assume that if Zoya was in that situation, it would just be showing her like more like standard imagery or something. Or like, it, may, it might have like gotten her her history, right? That's something we've said you can share. And then uh, like just her, her search history. And then it could um, perhaps just have a database of some of the more popular worlds and be able to sort of like, you know, ape some of the more popular worlds without it being, without it necessarily having to, you know, have done. Um, yeah. Be the equivalent of like, uh, just like if you've recently been to, New York world, like whatever the biggest, you know, that's what I was just going to say. Literally like, is New York. Like, yeah. you know, like they, they, Tokyo world, whatever you want to call it. Here's, like the, here's times square, right? Like right. you're going to, then it could like recreate that stuff. Yeah. And I, maybe that's yeah. enough. And, um, uh, Oh, another thing that it could do is it could, uh, simulate the Serengeti, right? Since oh, the, right. Everyone had the first, everyone started in the same home world. Oh no. Well, Although even Although if you're guess, first, no, if you're, you're first right. Gen, Actually, even you're born anywhere. First gens can be born anywhere, That's but that right. could be used on Tim for sure. Yeah, that imagery. Yeah. Um. So mm. it looks like we only have two steps, right? Like there's the pain puzzle, and then there's the like drug puzzle that may or may not have memories interspersed into it, um, to make it more affecting and reveal more about our character. You know, these things probably come in threes. Uh, I don't know what the third one is. I don't know if we need it right now <laughs> on this episode, but like, mm. like if we want, we can dig into that more. No, like, we just got to keep thinking on. about it. But I do think that's something we're going to have to fill in at some point, maybe on the next pass. Um, so, but the, yeah, but we have this concept of this puzzle world and we know that Tim will in fact get through it. We'll learn a lot about Tim in the process. Right. And um, he will have this experience of giving up permissions and getting what he wants in return, which will then help to make the next step uh, more logical for him. Yeah. It's like you should, it's like if I, you know, it's the same kind of trust where it's like, I hand you a loaded gun and I know that you could shoot me. Right. Uh, but then you don't actually shoot me. You fire it into the air. And like we establish some kind of trust that way. Exactly. Right? Um, it's a little bit like that. Um, so he delivers the answer. So do you uh, want to cover like the off screen sort of result? I do. I okay. do want to cover this. So like, let's, and this may be the, how we wrap up the episode yeah. here because I want to kind of get to the, get to the third trial sure. before we end. So Tim gets the solution. Okay. And this is going to be this long sequence with all this like crazy imagery and stuff, you know, where he's tripping and all that. Right. He brings the solution to Zoya. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoya says, great, thank you, I'll be right back, and then vanishes again. I guess right. this is what the reader is seeing, but we know off screen that Zoya is again taking that solution and handing it off to the club and saying, hey, look, I got the solution, right? Again, she's stealing his work. Um, right. Now, we figure, like, the club is, at this point, like, gonna be onto her. Yeah. Like, they're gonna... Yeah, right. And this is where we were talking about who created the world and whether the world is a is a club-owned world or whether it's a, a third-party world, right? Because if it's a third-party world, she has a reasonable expectation that the club wouldn't necessarily see every single thing that happened inside the world and she could send Tim in to do her homework. But if the club owns the world, she's going to have to... I mean, it, it should be dumb if she didn't get it cleared first or something. So maybe they know that she's doing that and they've allowed it. But, um, 
But yeah, they're going to The know. other option, which I think is cool, is that it is a third-party world. It's presented as if the club is not monitoring every second of the of the experience, but in fact, the world perhaps due to the you know, the fact that this puzzle world is made by this famous designer who is in fact a club member, um perhaps because of that reason the club actually does have eyes inside the world and does know what's going on there that's right so like if it's if we can convince zoya that they don't have eyes in there it makes her less dumb thinking that she could pass this off but you know of course they do have eyes in there they know that tim did it but more importantly they have a lot of other clues right i mean they saw tim yeah they've probably been following tim for some time because he showed up in the club uh, like pulling his stunts, like trying to demand his like entry, right? And Zoya had to show up and like you know, w- get him out. You know, there. kind of like hints that he should go away and talk to him later. They might have like realized that she was like hinting at him or followed her. So like they 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 may have been onto this even earlier. I'm not even I'm not sure, but like definitely this would be a case where they could say like at least by okay, now they figured it out. Yeah, they're like you passed Zoya. Congratulations, but. You know, we know what's going on, right? And you've cre- we now know also that you've the one who's created this problem, right? You signed the contract with this guy. Well, what I like about this idea is the club doesn't give a fuck that she has used him to get the answer to her riddles. Like they never said you couldn't use someone else to get the answer to your riddles. Absolutely. Like, Maybe this is novel that she tried. They're to do this. they're excited that you're trying something new, right? But. What they're totally not allowing and what they're really upset about is the fact that she allowed somebody to find out their secret address. That's unacceptable. And that has to be dealt with. And so she's going to have to um, figure out a way to to deal with Tim. That's right. And so, like, that's the sort of context. Again, this is off screen revealed later in the book um, that she is now giving Tim the third trial. Um, but when this meeting happens, right, when she reappears in front of Tim yeah. and, uh, and says, okay, here's the third trial, um, adding to her credibility, she's going to now have a club, an actual club rep with her, someone that's higher up than her. Probably right. So from Tim's perspective, she shows up with an elder, basically. Although we, we know, you and I know, that this is really... Zoya's observer. This is the person who's sort of shepherding Zoya through the process, um, but he, but this person appears as a like as an elder, and basically says, you know, you did well with the second trial. Uh, maybe Tim had, has solved it in some really unique way. I don't. We haven't figured out his solution yet, so maybe we come up with a way where he solved it where they're pretty impressed, or so they say, with the way he solved it, um, and. Uh, they give him the third trial, which is, you know, as we have discussed before on the show, is is going to be that he has to figure out a way to commit a murder. That's right. And, like, there's, at this point, he's in pretty deep, right? Like, he did two pretty harrowing trials, and he, especially the second one, like, built up, you know, a lot of trust. He's, like, only one step away from getting his dream, now this like uh, club elder is there, which is just adding credibility to the right. whole thing. So he's like in a prime position to make a bad choice and <laughs> agree right, to right. Uh, commit this heinous I, act. Uh, and I think the way this is going to be structured is that like trial one is basically 
showing that he's willing to throw away his morality in order to get in the club, right? He's to gonna, some smaller degree. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna do something somewhat immoral or or fail to do something moral, and then trial two I think is gonna be more about how much he trusts the club and how much he's willing to do something dangerous, right? So he he gives over his bodily autonomy or whatever it is, you know his he lets his brain get all fucked up uh and and whatever else we can think of um <clears throat> and that works out and so then now he's up to trial 3 where they're going to basically ask him to do something that's both dangerous go to a world where people can die and immoral and while they are kill someone <laughs> right and uh and that's um and he's going to do it he's going I mean we already know he's going to do it so it, that's I think that starts to feel like something I will buy from him. Uh, well, and I think he's still, and you know, we we've talked in the past about our third act, so we uh, there's more that we know about it that we're not going to share today. But uh, I think you know he is still he's not done wrestling with this. Absolutely right? not. No, no, no. But he just needs but to he's eventually in be able to. Do in, it. Yeah, yeah. He's in position in the room to not say no, and then it's still going to be like even chipping away at him a little bit more to get him to finally do it. Uh, which, you know, that's, uh, that's the story we're telling is like sort of this, like breaking down this person. Um, <clears throat> so let's end there. We got to our third trial. Okay. Um, there's still some sketchy bits, right? But, um, we want to, we want to, as was the original goal, we want to get all the way to the end of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we should go back now. I know that there are some specifics that we need here, but I think we need to just keep pushing forward and we will fill those in on the next run through. Um, I feel good about this. And next time we can get into the specifics of trial three. And um, I mean, that's a place where I think the original story works really well. So we should maybe take another look at that and then um, just figure out the specifics of how we're going to, uh, you know, actually execute the murder. Um, which is something we've talked about a bit, but we haven't like really written down, you know, the steps. Yep. But we will, we'll be coming back, back to that, uh, next time. So, absolutely. Uh, thank you for listening as always. And, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah. We'll be back soon. Thanks for being with us. This has been Constellation Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.